Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources, and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. I had an interesting experience this weekend. We were in Spokane visiting Blaine and Luke, and we visited their church that they're uh, going to. And I was struck by a couple of things that were done really well there. First off, it was um, a team. It was two lead pastors kind of sharing, I guess, the leadership of the church. I don't really know anything about it. Um, I was really impressed by, one, you could tell that neither needed to be the head of the show. They just didn't need it to be all about them, you know, mm-hmm. their willingness to share the platform, share the teaching, share the, con- you know, the congregation. It was really good. One of the comments that the pastor made, he said, this isn't about being amazing. This is just about getting people in front of Jesus. Mm-hmm. The context was Saul on the road to Damascus. And the point that he was making is only Jesus Christ can transform lives. Mm-hmm. Nothing else in the world can do that. Only Jesus Christ can transform lives. And so he said, the basic goal is just get people in front of Jesus hmm. and then let him do his thing. You know, I thought that was so good. It just took the pressure off, be amazing, you know, have an amazing program, have an amazing, you know, children's ministry, have, you know, be slick, top drawer, whatever it is that you're doing, there was just some relief counselors, teachers, friends, family, just get people in front of Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, let him do what he's great at. Yeah. So bring them to Jesus or bring Jesus to them. Right. Friends, you're listening to the Ransomed Heart podcast, and this is actually number seven in a series on leadership, mm-hmm. somewhat a series on followership, but also on leadership. And one of the comments that Craig had made to me earlier this morning before we turn the microphones on was feels like a good leader is just trying to bring Jesus. Are we bringing Jesus? Mm-hmm. And so I was struck by that experience this weekend, Craig, of what makes a good leader? You've got people listening to the podcast. They've gone through you know, the last six here. What makes a good leader? People saying, I want to be that. I want to be that man or woman. And let me preface that by something that Dallas Willard said in one of his books. I so appreciated him just reminding all of us, everyone has a kingdom. Hmm. Every person on this earth has a kingdom. You have some realm over which you have say. Your kingdom may simply at this point be you and your apartment, but there's some realm over which your jurisdiction rules. And then you have, you know, ways in which God brings to us, you know, he expands our kingdom. You become a, you know, a teacher of a class or or you're coaching the Mm -hmm. kids' uh, t-ball team. Well, then that's in your kingdom as well. Your work is in your kingdom, your realm there, and uh, everyone in that regard, has a kingdom. So what would you say to people who are aspiring to, I want to be a good leader? 
Yeah. I think one of the things we've said, which was a little bit different direction than we had intended in this series, John, we started out wanting to talk about leadership and so much of what we've dealt with is being a good follower. And uh, I think what I would want to say is a good leader, God is in him, works through him, is over him. It's just, it's just Christ in me. I look at my own life. I look at others around me. And I'm at my best when I'm in Christ, with Christ, abiding, yes. when I'm just consciously you know, connected to the branch. And that's when you get the best of Craig McConnell. Mm. And it just seems mm. like good leadership mm. is someone who lives in that and from that pretty consistently in situations, environments, and circumstances that require leadership. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That goes with bring me. Yes. Jesus saying, that's what this is about. That's what mm-hmm. leading is about. Bring me. Bring people to me. Whatever it is you're leading, right? Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. more that it's Jesus, mm-hmm. the better it's going to go Yeah. versus being task-oriented, goal-oriented. And those things are important. I mean, tasks and goals and plans and projects, all that stuff's got to get done. But it's kind of the motive, the mm-hmm. spirit in which mm-hmm. – the power by which it's being done. Yeah, in Christ, I'm going to have access not just to the wisdom, but to revelation. Christ may speak to things that I don't naturally understand or know about this event, this person, this situation. Um, You know, he's going to help me interpret accurately what's really going on, not just on the surface, but a little deeper. I mean, he's going to be directing, you know, my interaction, my leadership, my being point here in a way that I might not naturally be inclined mm. or it may mm. even be counterintuitive, actually. Yeah, that's so good. As we were praying about this this morning as well, Alan was struck by to be aware of how your woundedness is shaping you. Yeah. The danger of being given leadership and, and God wants to give you leadership. You know, he's looking for those who say, I'm available, you know, put me in coach, um, the danger is the more influence you have, the more power that you have, the more title or money or expertise or brilliance or knowledge, and the more damage you can do. Mm-hmm. It's a double-edged sword. The more good you can do, but the more damage you can do. And so just the encouragement to be aware of how your woundedness is shaping you. Mm-hmm feels so important to good leadership. I want to be a good leader. Well, be aware, you know, be somewhere in the journey of Christ addressing and healing your woundedness so that it doesn't bleed over into your leadership style, whether that's insecurity. You know, I'm thinking of a good man right now who, um, frankly, would be a phenomenal leader. But he doesn't think so Hmm. because his woundedness kind of has him sitting back row, you know, and he's walked with Christ long enough, you know, really to be up front now in the sense of we need you. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for shepherds after my own heart. You're a good leader. But the woundedness is still kind of keeping him. Mm. Whereas some people that you and I both know that. You know, the contrast would be, oh, they're leading. Oh, they're they're in charge. Yes. But their woundedness actually kind of 
craves the spotlight mm-hmm. and it needs to be all about them. Right. So just the encouragement to be aware of how your woundedness is shaping you mm-hmm. and be in the journey of the healing of that mm-hmm. so that it doesn't bleed over into your leadership style. Yeah. John, it's funny you mentioned that. I'm thinking of someone exactly as you're describing as well. He is just on the cusp of stepping into some, I think, fairly large and significant things. But um, just uh, an insecurity or a fear of taking that step of, you know, moving into something larger than he's ever been in. He's graduating now. He's moving from from faithful, good follower, servant, sergeant to captain or general. Speak to that. What is that in us? How do you get beyond that? I'm always going to have a wound, a limp, and yet God may be calling me into something larger than on my natural ability I feel confident in. Any thoughts there on moving into that, becoming that leader you want to be, you feel called to be, and others are affirming, but there's just a hesitancy of some kind? Yeah. I think a couple things would speak to that. One is a confidence that Jesus is with you, mm-hmm. a confidence that he is calling you. Mm-hmm. You've got to have those things written down somewhere, just those words, those moments, those encounters you've had with God that provide assurance of, no, I'm called to this. Mm-hmm. God is with me. You need that mm-hmm. um, because it's never going to be based on – it shouldn't be based on a total self-assurance Um, The more that I've grown in leadership, actually, the more that I've found myself praying, Jesus, in me, carry this. Mm -hmm. Jesus, in me, show me the way. Jesus, in me, help me with this meeting, this phone call, this decision. So in one sense, a limp is good. Mm -hmm. You know, Moses, prior to the 40 years in the wilderness, is a very different man than Moses after God finally does call him. He is a reluctant leader, but in a holy way. He's a humble man now. That's different than fear. Mm -hmm. That's different than shame. Those are issues we've taught on in so many other contexts, but I bring the work of Christ against this guilt, this shame, this fear. I reject that. That's different than woundedness, right? Those things, guilt, shame, fear, intimidation, doubt, that's just assault. You know, it may be because you've got some brokenness there, but those categories, that's not humility, yes. right? Yeah. And so those things are things that you're battling, growing in battling, shutting down. No, I reject that. Bring the cross against it. A leader better know how to do that because yeah. you're going to get hit with that stuff. It sounds like one of the things we're just presuming and just to say it is there's this journey. I want to be a leader and know that it's a progressive journey, walk with God, um, kind of through different seasons, God developing you, using events, circumstances, people to test, improve you and grow you. I mean, there's a time and a maturity um, component to this. Yeah, there really is. I was thinking about the passages this morning about Jesus saying he who is faithful in little Mm. will be faithful in much, 
right, that humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you at the proper time. Yeah, 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 there's a journey. It's pretty interesting that both you and I have held leadership positions in the church, but both you and I started as church janitors, <laughs> right? And yeah. there's a beauty to that. There's just, you know, there were lessons learned. There's a humility. Take the low road, right? I mean, uh-huh. even just James saying, don't reach for the highest position. Take the low road. Again, that Francis Schaeffer sermon would be really good to read the Lord's work and the Lord's way, because in that he talks about almost being forced by God into a higher position. You know, don't try and get the corner office. Don't try and get the big title. That's not what it's about. Walk with God. And then he will move you into positions of influence and leadership as he knows you're able to handle it. And again, back to sometimes before we think personally we're able to handle it, but therefore our dependence on Christ. So I just want to come back to clarify that for a moment. Issues that make you feel, man, I'm not sure I'm up to this, that drive you to Christ, Mm -hmm. that's good fruit. Mm -hmm. You shall know them by their fruit. Issues that paralyze you, fear, intimidation, shame, doubt, that don't drive you to Christ, they just stop you in your tracks, Yes, that's from hell. So you shall know them by their fruit, right? Yeah, there's a journey in this, growing in that. I think a couple other things I would want to say to those saying, I want to be this person. Cultivating a conversational relationship with Jesus Mm. is irreplaceable. You just simply cannot master enough leadership techniques or understanding of the company or the corporation, the culture, a church, people. You just can't. You can't read enough books, gang. You won't feel ready ever if mastery is the direction. But a conversational intimacy with Christ, absolutely essential for leadership. You know, just thinking of all the guys and gals that you see in in the scriptures that God taps for leadership, they know God. They walk with God. Their stories are the stories of them interacting with with God on the issues presented before them. So that would be absolutely indispensable, irreplaceable. You know, just as you're talking, um, I don't know if this is uh, it's just me free associating, but I just had this flash on uh, Dick Winters from Band of Brothers and, you know, the 101st. And just remember watching that and just being – Seeing Dick Winters is portrayed in the series Band of Brothers, and just longing to be that guy. Yeah. You know, I was thinking that to those who want to be a leader, expose yourself, whether it's in books, biographies, or film, stories in scripture, or in your life, or in different categories of life, to really good leaders. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you feel drawn to someone. Ask yourself, what is it about that person that draws me, their leadership, their character, who or what they are? So, Yeah, that's really good. That goes to assuming we're on a journey, yeah. assuming God's developing us as we go, who are you learning from? Mm-hmm. That was what Art heard this morning as we were praying. Who are you paying attention to? Who are you reading? Who are you listening to? Who are you watching? And again, so important. I know, I know, all of us long to have that 
spiritual father or mother in our life, that mentor, sage. And I know, I know most people don't. But they're available in the sense of through their works, through their teaching. You know, some of my most powerful mentors have been dead for years. But it's their teaching, their works, the biographies on them, you know, it's available. So who are you listening to? Who are you following? Who are you watching? Who are you trying to be like? You know, Paul says this. He says something that sounds kind of, frankly, proud and presumptuous. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. But that is how we learn. That is how we learn. You know, we learn from Jesus, but we also learn from people who are following Jesus. So who are you listening to? Mm -hmm. Whose works are you paying attention to? It'll shape. It'll shape you. Mm-hmm. And in and over all of this, you mentioned that we all have a realm, uh, an arena that we are leaders over in, is just the overwhelming desire of God's heart to take us to that next step, just in our own maturity and holiness and intimacy with him. And, you know, as we're walking with God, his greatest desire is to transform us in a way that others are transformed. I mean, yeah. Ultimately, God wants all of us and will accomplish this. Yeah, that's good. That's so good, Craig. I was just struck by you will reproduce yourself. Yeah, that's true. It's a scary thought, (laughs) but you will. As a leader, you will reproduce yourself. So stay close to Jesus because you want to be reproducing the good things. So here's what I want to do for a moment, Craig. Lessons learned. Lessons learned being a leader. Let's just wing off for six or seven minutes here on as aspiring or current leaders are listening to us. What are lessons that we've learned from leadership? I think the number one thing I want to say or the thing I want to say is, gang, the number one thing, the number one enemy you will face is this, is that your task or project goal, your mission, your ministry replaces your life with God. Hmm. It's the number one battle of leadership. Mm -hmm. And you see Jesus, you know, the crowds are flocking to him. And then you get these disruptive moments in scripture where it says, but Jesus spent the night alone on the mountain. You know, the crowds came to find him early in the morning, but he was already gone. He is battling for a life with God with his father, in the midst of the chaos, the pressure, the push, the need, the poor you will always have with you, gang. Mm -hmm. You will never be able to minister enough to minister yourself out of a job, Mm -hmm. whatever that may be. And so heads up, the number one enemy of your life with God is actually the very thing he's called you to lead Mm -hmm. because it'll consume you if you let it. I mean, it'll have you for lunch. And the dangerous thing about ministry in particular is that it still has the whiff of God about it. It still smells like God. And so that's why it substitutes for a life with God, because I'm about the things of God, right? So heads up, don't let that happen. Yeah, boy, if we went into my story as a pastor, it would illustrate that, just a purity and innocence of just wanting to be in God and used by God to switching over to wanting to be the megachurch pastor and 
tips and techniques, I think I lost my heart somewhere along mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. I think this may just be another way of saying that, but i have just always impressed with the need and how quickly I evaded just that personal relationship, that first love with Christ. If that's not what's animating me, um, then I'm kind of lost it. Mm. One of the lessons I've learned I'd put out there is I've used this story before of the matador, the uh, guy who uh, – how does it go? He says, uh, you know, everyone wants to be a matador until he's standing in front of a three-ton bull about to uh, to just gore him. And then you realize that what you really wanted was to wear tight pants, a funny hat, and have people applaud you. The lessons learned is – Early in the journey, leadership has – you have a perspective and a thought and anticipation of what leadership is that uh, as you get into it, it's got blesses, guides, and opens doors for you. It's just a lot different. It requires more. More is at stake. More is at risk. So there's an innocence and there's a kind of a mercy God gives you as an aspiring young leader to be romanced by the thought of influencing and shaping many and kind of blinding you to the cost till you get there. Yeah. In fact, gang, we're actually going to do a session soon here in this series on the cost of leadership. So we'll come back to that. But a couple more lessons that are coming to me right now. One is don't carry it. Don't carry it. Hmm. That's the other great temptation is it's a funny thing. As you begin to discover the regenerative power of the redemptive work of Christ on the human heart, the great surprise is it's not what your bad heart's going to get you to do that you shouldn't do. It's what your good heart is going to get you to do that you shouldn't do. Caring for people, wanting to do more. We can take on more. We can help more. We can give more. I can handle this one last person. I, you know, um, Don't carry it. Yeah. Don't carry it. I just find myself having to continually release my leadership, ransomed heart, you know, the things that I lead, just continually release it to Christ or it'll crush you. Yeah. It'll crush you. I mean that the truth is advancing the kingdom of God is beyond human power. And if you try and do it in human power, it's going to crush you. So however good your intentions are, However loving, noble, don't carry this. My goodness. Just keep turning it over to Christ. Another one I would say, John, don't do this alone. Even if you are the leader, the point, we need to be circled by those who know what we're facing going on, praying for us, encouraging us, affirming us. You just can't do much in the kingdom alone. It doesn't really work that way. Mm. Mm. That's just so huge. Okay. So with that, um, I think one of the other great temptations you're going to find as you move into leadership or those of you who are deep in leadership now, and the great temptation is to sacrifice people for the goal. Mm-hmm. We got to get this done. We got to take this hill, finish this project, carry on this mission, You know, build this company, you know, whatever it is, meet this deadline is usually one of the most pressing ones. And and the temptation is you sacrifice people for the goal. And then you look behind you and there's just carnage. You know, you realize that you've been leading for goals, objectives, 
you know, leading to accomplish things. And the most disruptive part of leadership in the kingdom is God says, yeah, that that's pretty heinous. Don't do that. I mean, it forces you into a radical dependence on God because it's a lot easier to manage goals, programs, objectives than it is to manage people, Yeah, you know, and people will get in the way. And I'm not saying that you know, you just sacrifice everything to sit down and, and have coffee with people all the time. I'm saying that the temptation will be to kind of mow over people or use people to get your objectives done. You're just going to have to continually catch that and watch that because that's the leadership style that most of our listeners, you know, would say, yep, lived under that. It was horrible. Don't want anything to do with leadership anymore. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. back to... We don't want a king, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. One of the things that this series has done is just accentuate that there are people out there, John, that just so long to be a, an effective leader, to be someone who's transforming others and bringing the kingdom, and yet at this stage in their life and their journey and their walk, circumstances or life events may seem to really be limiting or cutting off this desire that they have. What do we give these folks that long to be a leader in God's kingdom? Rather than just capping off on some more counsel, let's pray. Hmm. Because Jesus, what we need is you, and we need your interpretation So first, we pray for interpretation of our current events, interpretation Mm -hmm. of our story even, so that we would know what of this is you, what of this is the enemy, what of this is just a a phase. Jesus, come and interpret my life. And what also feels like a surrender, Jesus, I'm available. I surrender. I give myself to you. I give my agenda. I give my dreams to you to be shaped by you, framed by you, timed by you. I surrender, and I'm available, Lord. I want to be in the game. I want to be used. I want to bring the kingdom. I I want to bring Jesus. And so, Lord, show me. Show me how. I do ask you to show me the log in my own eye, transformation. I pray that you'd show me what you're working on in me. And Jesus, I also pray that you would show me what's in the way, whether I'm currently leading or yearn to lead. What's in the way, Lord? And how do I pray about that? Show me to pray. Teach me to pray effectively. Jesus, come and lead me into the life that you have for me. In your name, we pray. Friends, so much more to say, and we are going to continue the series a bit, but for more, we always invite you to come to RansomedHeart.com and also to the Ransomed Heart app. I'm John Eldridge. You've been listening to me and Craig McConnell on the Ransomed Heart Podcast. <laughs>